Hello and happy April, everyone. Welcome to the April 2019 episode of the MDS podcast, the official podcast channel of the International Parkinson and Movement Disorder Society. If you have not done so already, you can subscribe to our podcast station on iTunes, Google, and Stitcher to stay up to date on the release of new episodes. Links can be found on the MDS podcast website. I'm Sarah Schaefer from the Yale School of Medicine, and I'm here today with Ruth Schneider, Assistant Professor of Neurology at the University of Rochester. Dr. Schneider has been kind enough to join us today to discuss her recent paper in the March 2019 issue of Movement Disorders Clinical Practice, entitled Earlier Dopaminergic Treatment in Parkinson's Disease is Not Associated with Improved Outcomes. Welcome, Dr. Schneider. Thank you. So I want to start with a little bit of background. You allude to some of the controversy that has surrounded the topic of when to initiate levodopa therapy in Parkinson's disease. As any clinician knows, this comes up all the time when counseling patients with early PD about medications. Can you quickly summarize some of the arguments for and against early treatment with levodopa for Parkinson's? Sure. There are a variety of factors that influence the decision regarding when to initiate dopaminergic treatment in a patient with Parkinson's disease. The primary argument for initiating treatment early on is to address any bothersome and or functionally impairing symptoms. But as you know, there are many factors that may play into whether a symptom is identified by a patient as being bothersome or impairing. These factors include things such as employment status, uh, the specific uh, type of motor symptoms that they're experiencing, whether their symptoms are predominantly in their dominant hand or their non-dominant hand, um, any hobbies that they may enjoy, and whether the primary symptoms are motor versus non-motor. So treatment may be reasonably delayed if the symptoms are non-bothersome or not impairing, or if there's concern for adverse effects especially given the lack of any conclusive evidence supporting any medication-related disease-modifying effect. You talked about some very important things for patients in terms of when to start medications, including really how bothersome the symptoms are for the patient. But from a clinician's perspective, there are also some arguments that have to do with whether or not the medication actually slows down the progression of disease or somehow delays worsening of disease. And then on the flip side, there are arguments against starting the medication because of the concern for the emergence of motor complications. Can you speak to some of the controversies surrounding those couple of things? Sure. Um, So there have been a number of clinical trials that have examined whether earlier treatment in Parkinson's disease results in better outcomes. None of these trials have been without uh, limitations. So, for example, there was Datatop, which was a study of Depranil um, that utilized a two-by-two factorial design. They found a delayed time to initiation of levodopa, uh, but ultimately, that was this was felt to most likely represent a symptomatic benefit rather than any disease-modifying benefit. Another example, perhaps a little bit closer to the study that uh, we analyzed here, would be L-DOPA, which examined earlier versus later treatment uh, with levodopa. In that study, participants were randomized to receive one of three different dosages of levodopa or placebo for about 40 weeks. And then they underwent a short washout period. 
And what they found was that there was a clear dose response pattern in which there was significantly less worsening of the UPDRS scores from baseline to the end of the washout period. However, the problems with this study were twofold. So one, concerns that the washout period may not have been long enough. And two, the fact that the single photon emission computed topography, tomography data that were included were discordant with the clinical data. So I think those are just two examples of the many studies that have been done to examine whether early treatment results in better long-term outcomes. And unfortunately, all of them have had limitations. Great. That's a really good summary. So getting to your trial, you use data from the Calm PD trial, which randomized 301 patients with early PD to either a pramipexol or levodopa treatment group with a follow-up period of 48 months, ultimately, to assess for the development of motor complications. One of the strengths of that study and your study is that it relies on multiple outcome measures, including UPDRS scores, but also quality of life scales, among other things. But a huge challenge was that you had to analyze previously acquired data of a study that did not have a delayed start design, so all the subjects started the therapy when enrolled. What led your team to use the COMPD data for your study? I'm not sure that the ideal study design for identification of a disease-modifying effect in Parkinson's disease has been identified. Um, Certainly, delayed start designs in which participants are randomized to receive study drug early or receive placebo followed by study drug offer certain advantages. But I think this design has its own challenges. For example... At the end of the study, um, in the second period of the study, the uh, assessors will know that all of the participants are on study drug, essentially unblinding them and introducing an element of bias. Our retrospective data analysis was supported by the Parkinson study group, and we considered analyzing data from other PSG studies, such as Datatop or Precept in lieu of COMPD. Ultimately, we felt that the COMPD cohort was the most ideal, given, one, the presence of variability in time since diagnosis, as well as in Honin-Yar stage at the time of study entry, and also because we felt that because participants had to be in need of symptomatic treatment at the time of study entry, we thought this might minimize potential for bias results secondary to the inclusion of participants with more slowly progressive disease. That's a great explanation. So can you tell us a little bit more about the study that you did? So this is a retrospective analysis of COMPD. Our primary objective was to examine whether early initiation of dopaminergic treatment is associated with improved long-term outcomes. Our hypothesis was that earlier initiation would be associated with significantly less worsening of the total UPDRS score from baseline to 48 months. Therefore, in the primary analysis, we examined the association between years since diagnosis and 48-month change in total UPDRS score using a mixed model repeated measures analysis. So we were, of course, because this is a retrospective analysis of a previously completed trial, limited in our selection of outcome measures to those that were included in the original COMPD trial. We selected the total UPDRS score as the primary outcome measure as we felt that it was the most comprehensive disease measure included in COMPD. But we do recognize that the UPDRS does not fully capture all aspects of uh, PD, particularly non-motor symptoms, and that changes in total UPDRS score may not accurately reflect underlying disease progression. 
So in addition to looking at uh, changes in the total UPDRS score, we also examined mean changes in UPDRS component scores in the PD quality of life scale and the EuroQual visual analog scale scores. And we analyzed time to development of motor complication using a Cox proportional hazards model. In short, we found no association between years since diagnosis and 48-month change in any of the selected outcome measures. In addition, we found no association between years since diagnosis and time to development of motor complications. So patients enrolled in the study were described as requiring symptomatic treatment, meaning that the COMPD study did not enroll any patients that did not feel that their symptoms were bothersome enough to require treatment. And one issue related to that that you raise in the paper is that patients who have had the disease for a shorter period of time, so less time since the onset of symptoms may have faster disease progression since it took them less time to reach the stage of needing treatment. You and your team did address this theoretical confounder. Can you explain a little bit about how you did that? So this was one of our primary concerns in approaching the analysis of the data. There are many covariates or variables that might confound the relationship between time since diagnosis and change in total UPDRS score. We attempted to account for these differences by including in the primary analysis model the generalized propensity score, which serves to balance out baseline covariate distributions. So we included a number of different variables in this model, uh, including age, sex, disease stage, prior levodopa use, selegiline use, and number of comorbidities. Great. So some of the other confounders in the that you mentioned in the paper include or taking into consideration amantadine treatment, given its known effect on dyskinesias. Were there other things that you looked at in, in sub-analyses such as levodopa equivalent, or did you analyze the primipexil and uh, levodopa groups separately in your analysis at all? We did include treatment group in um, all of our analysis models. And in examining the time to development of motor complications, we similarly included a generalized propensity score in the analysis model, and in this case, added amantadine use in addition to the other covariates uh, to the model. We did not include levodopa equivalent dosage as a covariate in our analysis. In your article, you also mentioned the LEAP-PD study, which at the time that you submitted the paper was not actually out yet, and we didn't know the results. But now that has been published in the New England Journal of Medicine, and it supports your conclusions. So there is now a growing body of evidence to suggest that levodopa therapy really has mostly a symptomatic effect and may not have any disease-modifying properties to it. So overall, that argues against the compulsory use of levodopa therapy in early PD in patients who don't require it for symptomatic therapy. So given these results, how would you counsel a burgeoning movement disorders neurologist who is, you know, shadowing you in your clinic about when to initiate these treatments in patients? Do you think that we have a firm conclusion at this point or is the jury still out? So I think that at this time, I would say that the decision regarding when to initiate dopaminergic treatment should be indiv individualized to the patient. And 
that decision should should result from a process of shared decision making with a conversation centered around not any expectation of disease modification, but the potential for symptomatic benefit and the potential for side effects. I think that the results of LEAP PD allow us to pretty firmly conclude that for the specific levodopa dosage studied and the specific time period studied, there was no disease modifying effect as assessed by the selected outcome measures. But as the authors rightly point out, it may be that a different dosage or a longer treatment period or initiation of treatment at a different stage of the disease would yield different results. Okay, so that being said, what do you think should be the next step? In short, I think we need more and more studies, uh, more prospective clinical trials examining this issue of when to initiate treatment in Parkinson's disease and what treatment should be initiated in Parkinson's disease. I think a few questions that stem from that are, one, how do we define disease onset? You know, classically, we define this um, largely on the basis of motor symptoms and signs, but there is increasing recognition of the prodromal period, which is predominantly characterized by non-motor symptoms. So we may be missing the boat entirely in our studies looking at early initiation of treatment. And the second question is whether we're using the right outcome measures. I think as I alluded to before, I'm not sure that the UPDRS or MDS-UPDRS for that matter are the optimal outcome measures for assessing disease progression. And perhaps we should be using other clinical measures or biomarkers that may give us, uh, may allow us to better assess whether there has truly been disease progression. You make a really excellent point about, you know, the the disease, this prodromal phase and whether by the time they reach motor manifestations, it's just too late for any therapies to have a disease modifying effect or any available therapies anyway. That's never been explored, correct? Looking at these therapies being initiated in the premotor stage of disease? Not to my knowledge. I think there are of course, some some challenges in designing that type of study. There are the new MDS criteria for prodromal Parkinson's disease, um, but how you identify a cohort of individuals who who meet that those criteria, I think, poses some logistical challenges. But my opinion is that we need to be intervening earlier in the disease if we're going to detect any disease modifying benefit. Great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. And it was a pleasure. Thank you for having me on, Sarah.